Hello and welcome to Wibbly Wobbly Chatty Watty, the ultimate Doctor Who rewatch podcast. I'm your host, Dean, and as always, I'm joined by my good friend and co-host, Andrea. Hello, Andrea. Hello, Dean. How are you? I'm good. I was going to slide a joke into that intro, but I couldn't think of one fast enough. So instead, I'm telling you this. You shouldn't have bothered. Anyway, this week we're talking about Series 2, Episode 6 of Doctor Who, The Age of Steel, the second part of this two-parter, where last week we talked about the first part, because if we did it the other way around, we'd end up confusing ourselves. Every week we start with a sentence summary, which is pretty much a summary in a sentence of the episode, and Andrea's going to tell us hers first. Trigger from Only Fools and Horses takes over London with an army of metal men and Scooby-Doo and the gang are the only ones who can stop him. Oh, and Mickey Smith finally gets the coverage he deserves, but then he also leaves, which makes me sad, but I expect Dean will be very rude about Mickey and I, dear listener, will try to crush him and his disgusting opinions as best as I can. And Dean, before you say this isn't one sentence, it is because I haven't included any full stops. Ha! What was yours? Well, uh, mine's a bit shorter and a lot more to the point, I think you will agree. Big scary metal blokes want to steal your minds and bodies, so watch out or whatever. That almost sounds like a threat to our listeners, which I'd like to just say it isn't. It is a threat if you live in the alternative universe and you're somehow listening to this. Yeah, so if we have parallel world Robert from Lancaster who I believe still listens to us, then watch out, Robert. I think we've also established that in this parallel world, Doctor Who has been rebranded as Banana Who. And um, that's what we're talking about. But that's a callback to an episode from like a few months ago. So we're not about that here. I No jokes, okay? I've had enough of inside jokes and funny comments from now on, all serious. No jokes at all. But if we did do the podcast in the alternative universe, we'd be really able to unpeel those Doctor Who episodes. No, I was just speaking. It's just sometimes when I speak, it happens. Okay, I'm going to go on to my very serious general information. Okay, so this episode was written by Tom McRae, same as last week or whatever. What what a guy. He He's only written The Girl Who Waited and an unproduced story, so not much for him. And it was directed by Graham Harper, who actually directed some classic Who. And then 11 more episodes after this. What an absolute mad lad. Mad lad indeed. Was that a joke? No, I was just agreeing with your, your, your funny term. Okay, I'm just, I'm just making sure. This episode was broadcast on the 20th of May, 2006, and on that very day, the 51st Eurovision Song Contest was hosted. And yet again, I feel like I'm repeating myself because I said that for 2005. Crazy. Doctor Who and Eurovision just interlinked. They're basically the two things that make up my life anyway. So... Fun fact o'clock. Apparently, the sorry, that was very weird. Sorry, listeners. Apparently, the original climax of this episode would have seen Lumic trying to break through the floor of a lift rather than climbing up the Zeppelin's ladder. Would you have preferred that version? I wouldn't have. I would have preferred you to not start this podcast with me. What a way to break it to me. In interviews, Russell T. Davis and Andrew Hayden-Smith, who plays Jake, have both alluded to how Mickey 
and Jake were originally intended to be gay lovers. What do you make of that? Well, for a start, I think it would have been really weird if they were meant to be straight lovers. Like That would have taken some explaining. But I, I quite like the idea of it, although I guess I get why they didn't put it in because it's kind of just another element for an already quite full episode. Yeah, I mean, having become so used to this episode as it is, it's kind of hard for me to envisage. But I think seeing how Russell T. Davis writes other gay characters, he would be capable of pulling it off. Anyway, footage of explosions from Series 1's opener Rose is reused in this episode when the Battersea Cyber Conversion Facility goes up in flames. Did you notice that? I did not. Did you? I did not either, but I was I could have lied and, and said that I'm really good at that kind of spotting thing. I don't. The final fun fact for this fun fact o'clock session is that this episode sees Mickey become the first revival companion to leave the TARDIS by choice. Something that you, Dean, have previously said all the best companions do. I actually did clarify that with apart from some, and by that I mean Ryan and Mickey. I actually have a fun fact to share, and it's about our alternative um, podcast. Uh huh. Banana who? Do you know where bananas go? Go to learn. That you go to learn at Sunday school. Every week, Andrew and I like to share trivia with each other, but it would take too long if we shared trivia with each other, so we take it in turns, and it's Andrew's turn. But because Andrew's mean, she's decided to do it like a quiz. So I guess we're going to do it like a quiz this week. Let's bloody go. I thought the quiz format was kind of how we did things. No, I thought that was a new addition for this week. Oh, okay, okay. Question one. In earlier versions of the script, Sally the Cyberbride, as I like to call her, was not a bride or a Sally. Instead, was she A, an 11-year-old boy, B, a groom, C, Sarah Jane Smith, or D, a mother named Carol? See, now this, my friend, is... I think I can probably get this because I don't think it's Sarah Jane. I don't think it's a groom because of the way uh, society works. We'd feel more sympathetic to a bride than to a groom. Um, The only thing that I'd feel sorry for more than a bride is a little boy. Would you say an 11-year-old boy precisely? Um, I'd personally say 12-year-old, but that isn't an option, so I'll go with 11. Yay me! What's the next question? Question two. Similarly, in early versions of the script, what happened to Cyber Jackie Tyler? A. Pete tried to attack her with Rose having to restrain him. B. She betrayed the Cybermen. C. Rose killed her. Or D. She wasn't in earlier versions of the script. Okay. I think she has to be in earlier versions of the script or it doesn't really make much sense and i think all these alternative versions are normally the darker versions so i'm gonna go with that rose killed her damn it what is the point in me even coming up with alternative options yes it was see rose killed 
Cyber Jackie in one of the earlier versions of the script. That would have been pretty harrowing. So do you think that actually did happen in an alternative, alternative universe to this episode? Most likely, yeah. Anyway, question three. Before his betrayal, Mr. Crane is seen removing his earpods. A section of the scene was cut, however. How did the scene originally end? With Mr. Crane, A, looking at a photograph of a woman insinuated to be his wife, B, shaking his head and saying, John, you've gone too far, C, frustratedly muttering, time I went freelance, or D, throwing his earpods in anger at the back of a Cyberman. Oh, this is a tricky question. Thank goodness. Don't think it's the wife one, because I feel like that's a generic answer, so that's probably one that you have invented in your own twisted mind. Um, I don't think it's the freelance one either, because I feel like that's a bit too of a quippy thing for him to say. He's not much of a quipster. I'm going to go with saying he's gone too far. It was actually C, frustratedly muttering, time I went freelance. Wow, that is more quippy than I was expecting for him him to go. Maybe that's why they cut it out. Uncharacteristic. Question four. In which previous episode does the Doctor have a conversation with a cyber leader regarding emotions, similar to the one he has with Lumic in this episode? A. The Tenth Planet. B. The Invasion. C. Earthshock. Or D. Silver Nemesis. My mind went straight to Invasion, so I'm going to go with that. And your mind is stupid because it's actually C, Earthshock, so it should have gone straight to that one. Okay, and the final question, although it might not be a final question if you get what I'm saying. In this episode, Mickey decides to stay in the parallel world to live with his gran. Woo! That is not her name. How would you spell that? That was me wooing Mickey's going. (laughs) I won't accept that. Anyway, what is her name? A. Patricia Ann. D. (laughs) The alphabet, Andrea, the alphabet. B. Not D. B. Dina Ann. C. Rita Ann. Or D. Edith Ann. Now that, my friend, is another tricky, tricky question. Can you go over the options just one more time, please, so I can figure this question out? Thank you very much. You're very welcome, my dear friend. It's A, Patricia Ann, B, Dina Ann, C, Rita Ann, or D, Edith Ann. And if you just give the answer Ann, I'm not accepting that. So I will go with Rita Ann, please. I have a bonus question for you. Andrea's bonus question time. She's got a bonus question for Dean. Andrea's bonus question time. I can't really remember how the theme song goes. This is all pre-recorded, definitely. That jingle just brings tears to my eyes for the wrong reasons. Can you guess what appreciation index this episode received? These are used as an indication of the public's appreciation a TV programme or episode 
and are out of 100. If you are within five numbers either side of the answer, you get the point. I will go with 74. I'm afraid you're just outside the bracket. It got 86. That was a good guess. Thank you very much, Dean. No worries, Dean. Anyway, let's look at my score. Very well done. I think we can all agree that I have done way too much talking and it's time for Dean to give us his plot summary, the highlight of the podcast for no one. Whenever you're ready, Dean. Okay, so (sighs) what happened last time? Basically, they're surrounded by a bunch of Cybermen and they're like, oh, it's, it's time to leave. So they tr- they go and they run away. And they're like, oh, good, get in the back of this van. Let's get out of here. The doctor does some fancy stuff and that they get out. And the good thing they get out because then they get to London and Mr. Lumick or Dr. Lumick, I'm not quite sure of what his correct title is, but I don't care because number one, he's a mean bloke. Number two, he's dead. And number three, he's he's fictional. So I, I, I'd give him the... the um, yeah, I don't like him. So they're in London now. Like, oh, all these people are walking away. What do we go and do? And they're like, okay, let's banana split up and go and hide in different places. So they go and then, and they split up. The, the bunch of them splits up and they all go hide in different places. And eventually they go and Mickey and Ricky are running away. And to be honest, this is when I feel really sorry, sorry, feel really sorry for them because. Um, as they're running away, Ricky actually gets killed, and oh, it's the wrong one, wrong one. So they keep they keep going, and eventually they all meet up after hiding. And um, Jake is really upset that Ricky's dead, and like, there's not much um, Mickey can do. He tries to appeal with him, but it it just doesn't work. So anyway, they get to a big factory, and they're like, this is where the Cybermen are being made. So the bunch of them arrive there. A bunch of bananas. <laughs> and, and things are looking a bit spotty for them because there's obviously been spots on bananas. Um, <laughs> and they come up with a plan. They're going to... I don't want to say split up again because I've already used them. To be honest, a lot of these jokes aren't ripe enough yet. So <laughs> the plan is they're going to send two people underground and then two people above and then two people through the front door. Jackie and her dad. <laughs> Jackie and her dad. That would have Rose. been a very different episode. Rose and her dad going through the front door to try and f- save Jackie. Uh, Mickey and Jake. Um, who are not gay lovers uh, going up the top to disable all the earpods so people can escape. Um, so I'm trying to think of banana puns. Give me a second. And um, the doctor and Mrs. whatever her last name is go whoop underground. And they go underground. There's a bunch of Cybermen there and they have a nice chat about um, their lives and stuff. But eventually they get caught by Cybermen well, no, Mrs. Finch gets killed. It's quite horrific, to be honest. Mrs. Uh, Finch? 
<laughs> you just try you just try to get that man in there. No matter, no matter what episode. More. Thank you. I had to check my notes then to see. Um Mrs. Moore and the doctor go underground and she gets killed and then they're like, Hey, you're not human. You're you're not human, so we'll take you to Mr. Lumic, who is now the cyber controller the doctor goes there and he goes yellow like a banana because bananas are yellow and um rose is there and so is pete and jackie's also dead i should say and um yeah and they're all hanging out and the doctor's like well any idiot could save us by doing exactly this and mickey's like well i'm an idiot obviously i'm the biggest idiot in the world and i hate you mickey so then they um so then mickey does that and he says them all and mickey's like i want to stay here with jake because we're not lovers and that's where he stays, and so does Pete and Rose and the Doctor go off together. And a banana's favorite American politician is Al Gore. Illa. I don't even get that last one, but it's Al Gore who was vice president. Well, I got that. Al Gore Rilla is a gorilla who banana he monkey bananas. But what's that got to do with the Doctor and Rose getting back home? That, that was the joke. I Are you just... calling Jackie a gorilla? No, I was just putting it in at the end. It's like a joke that I was badly cramming in. Every week, Dean and Andrea talk about our standout moments from this episode and by this episode i mean the age of steel but we don't talk about that every episode we talk about whichever episode we're talking about that specific episode it's just so happens to be age of steel this episode anyway andrew what's your uh, standout moment well firstly i'd like to say with regards to your plot section that i would have rather peeled my own skin off than listen to <laughs> than listen to that that's a very dark banana pun. But also, no jokes this week, I'm afraid. I gathered that we were going for that no-joke approach from your plot section. Anyway, my first standout moment, not really sure if it's quite deserving of it, but I wanted to hear your thoughts on the moment. It's when, basically, the cliffhanger from the last episode is resolved with the Doctor using that bit of light thingy from the TARDIS to destroy the Cybermen surrounding them. And then they run into the Scooby-Doo van and they chat in that van. What do you think, firstly, of how the cliffhangers resolved and then about just the Scooby-Doo style of it all? I did have this moment down as well and I think it stands out because it doesn't stand out at all. I think a big complaint you can make of two-parters is whatever cliffhanger they leave us on. A lot of the time it's a bit too easily done and dusted within the first 10 seconds. It's very similar in um, Aliens of London slash World War Three, and I think also to an extent in The Empty Child and the Doctor Dances, but I think that moment is quite good with them resolving that because it's actually quite funny. But here I think it's a, a bit more like Aliens for London where it's just a bit too easily um, brushed aside I think they should have focused or, or just like stop leaving us on such big cliffhangers of them going oh what's going on we're surrounded oh no oh don't worry we can just okay anyway we're we're out of here and yeah 
I think your comments are fair enough. I love two-parters. So I think probably in a non-analytical viewing, we'd both overlook the fact that cliffhangers are resolved really easily because it's almost a typical charming trait of Doctor Who two-parters at this point. But I would say that this is one of the weaker ways we've seen a cliffhanger resolved because you don't really understand what he's doing. And they're in so much danger at the end of Rise of the Cybermen that it just comes across as anticlimactic. You go from this great tension to the Doctor whipping out something, not a banana, but this tardis thing. And it's over so quickly. I like how the pace keeps up with them running to the van. It's not like all threat has been avoided, but it's not the greatest. And I think maybe that's because the cliffhanger is so good. Maybe. No, yeah, I think the problem is the bit that stands up to me is the Doctor is like so like scared at the end of the last episode and he's like, we surrendered, we surrendered and he's like quite worried about it and then the next episode he's like, doopy doopy doo, well that was easy, wasn't it? It's just kind of overlooked quite quickly in this episode. But my next standout moment is when they're all like in there and they've all got their earpods in and they're walking about and it's no good and they're trying to come up with a plan i quite like this scene apart from one detail which stood out for me and it isn't mickey hey i just thought it was a bit of a weird moment to include and that's when rose and mickey have what i would class as quite an awkward kiss before splitting up like it it's a bit of an awkward one to watch and i'm not sure why it is it's yeah i i don't know what it was that kind of just made this stand out to me but also i think it's a bit of a weird thing for these two characters to do yeah, I think if you consider how their relationship is by this point, by this episode, then yeah, it is a bit weird and it make more sense in earlier episodes before they sort of go back to being friends rather than partners. But I think it's one of those details in this episode that appear to emphasise how Mickey is becoming an independent and arguably heroic character i think more so than the last episode we see him breaking away from the doctor and rose and his willingness to go with ricky instead and the way that he kisses rose rather than just being all awkward like he might previously be in other episodes kind of proves that he's starting to be his own individual rather than just being the tin dog which has become one of my favourite ways to describe Mickey of late. The tin dog is so much better than Mickey. Don't even joke about that. It's not even a good comparison. I quite like the moment where they're all coming up with a plan and um, Mickey's like, what about me? You've forgotten about me again because that's all you do. You're a big meanie. I really like this moment. I think it works quite well. And good on um, my boy M-Dog for standing up for himself. It is a good moment for M-Dog. I love the moment when he walks away from them, having decided to go with Jake. And he looks back and sees the Doctor and Rose hugging and all romantic. And he realises, I think, I at least interpret it as him 
in that moment realizing that he doesn't necessarily want to carry on traveling with them but maybe that's when the idea formulates in his head to stay in the parallel world well not a lot formulates in his head i much preferred ricky and that's why i want to jump back a bit and talk about how if mickey was on that fence the world would be a nicer place today that was a bit harsh i don't really hate mickey in this episode i just need to keep up appearances i'm, I'm kind of getting paid by the um by the, the by the big ups in the hating mickey world now but i do prefer ricky and i think it is quite a sad scene especially with jake's reaction later on i think it's also pretty harrowing when you see mickey just helplessly on the other side of the cage out of the cybermen's reach but completely helpless to save ricky and he's so close to surviving it's really one of those moments when you're egging them on almost screaming at the tv almost like you're watching a football game, wanting him to get over that fence in time. And I think that it's one of the standout moments of the episode because you don't necessarily expect to be introduced to a character who seemingly is so significant because he's basically Mickey, but from a different universe. So you would expect him maybe to hang around longer, if that makes sense, not just like he's one of those characters like Mrs. Moore, who's easily a spot the stiff character, you know, so I think it does come as a bit of a shock. And I think it's really good utilization of the parallel world setup in the fact that Mickey comes back after Ricky has died and they don't know which one has survived. Obviously we know, and you get to see how appreciated he is by Rose in that moment, which I think only heightens the emotional ending that we get with him deciding never to see her again basically yeah but why is he called ricky like it's a bit just just have them have the same name you know i don't think ah oh, just it kind of annoys me that <laughs> he's called ricky i don't know why because like i don't know why it's just kind of a weird thing for them to include i think it's kind of funny but i think you find it maybe irritating because the ninth doctor calls Mickey Ricky so often and then it feels like <laughs> they were just sat around a table in a script writing meeting thing and they're like you know what we have to do he well, has the, to be called Ricky well the interesting thing is Ricky is like a shortening of Frederick or Richard or like Derek or a name like that like it can be a shortening of quite a few different names and Mickey is more often than not a shortening of the name Michael so having it Michael and Richard is just a bit of a weird one and then saying they've got the same name it just that's a good Eric, point Roderick, yeah or maybe just Ricky Patrick I just want to say before we move on to the next Ricardo and whilst you think of more names that it could be a shortening for that this moment that you've already spoken about when Ricky and Mickey split up and search for clues. No, they don't, they don't, but just going with Scooby-Doo metaphor thing. I really like this moment because not only because of the stuff they've talked about with Ricky, but you see the development in Pete and Rose's relationship with them holding hands by the bin and they don't really know, well, if Rose knows why she she's holding his hand but Pete's like why the hell am I holding this waitress's hand and holding I just think by the bin. 
it's so sweet nice father-daughter sentimentality and all that but i think this entire visual of seeing the cybermen almost like they're in regiments or platoons marching around london and it just being a pure chase at this point i think it's really strong interesting visual and i just love the cybermen we all want to look at the cybermen as doctor who fans you know what i mean we always look forward to the next I like design and things the cybermen you make it sound worse than it is but they're such an iconic image for doctor who that just having them roam round almost like they're soldiers enforcing a totalitarian regime almost i just love that vibe that it gives us and the fact that they're hiding maybe it's too easy that the doctor can deter them by flicking some button or switch you don't really flick buttons do you unless you're annoyed with the button but i think it's a solid section of this episode yeah okay moving on to my next standout moment which is more important than anything that you have to say and that is the lovely little um conversation that the doctor and mrs moore have uh, let's just breeze over a couple of standout moments here because i like the moment with dr and mrs moore obviously it's just to try and make you feel sorry for mrs moore before they kill her um another moment is a good cyber jackie scene which i think is also just there to make you feel sorry for them and then my least favorite thing in any piece of movie or television ever this is quite a small thing maybe you haven't noticed it but just in so many action movies and stuff like this they just always have to explain what an emp is like they they can never use an emp without explaining what it is first this sounds stupid but i watched a montage of it the other day where they just explained what an EMP was in like a hundred different movies and like we know it's an electromagnetic pulse device we see them and ah oh, it just upsets me wow i hadn't even thought about that i obviously don't watch enough things that reference it to be as furious as you are but yeah i love i love how this episode kind of stretches out into three streams almost you have mickey and jake the Doctor and Mrs. Moore and Pete and Jackie, all because of their strategy, basically. I think it's quite a unique element of this episode that they actually have a plan and go with it. It is more Scooby-Doo-ish, if you like. It's almost like they're setting a trap, but they're not. There's no trap involved at all, so that's, that was a bit stupid. But this section that we have with Mrs. Moore, I really like it when, as they're walking along, gradually the cyber army awakes. And the doctor's like, it's just a lie. Don't worry, Mrs. Moore's all fired. And then they all start turning. Again, it's the visuals. I just love how indulgent I like this episode is. Cybermen. But it's so cool to see them all turning so quickly. It's so threatening. And these characters that, as you say, we've been encouraged, we've been encouraged to care about because one of them's about to die. Shocker. We fear for them in this moment. And it's so claustrophobic, that environment, that small tunnel corridor thing. And it's just a really cool moment for want of a better way of expressing myself. And the moment that we have shortly after this with the cyber bride, Sally, who was an 11-year-old boy at some point. Not actually Sally. She was never an 11-year-old boy. Or she might have been. I don't know her backstory. I don't know. But this Sally bride lady, 
I think that's a really heartbreaking moment and it's an element of tenderness you wouldn't expect, especially when there's technically a Cyberman in the scene. I think it really highlights how cruel and inhumane what Lumic is doing. It really emphasises that theme of emotions, which then really emerges and becomes important in the head-to-head with John Lumic and the Doctor later. And also the fact that you're, you've got close-ups and you're focusing on Mrs. Moore and the Doctor, and she's like, we have to do it. We have to kill them all. Otherwise, they'll kill everyone else. And she stands up, and you don't expect there to be a Cyberman behind her. Yes, you expect that she'll die at some point, but I think it's pretty sudden because you literally... The camera follows her, and so you stand up almost with her, and that shock element is brilliant. And it's really upsetting because she's there, and then she's not. It's another good example of Cybermen on stealth mode that just doesn't really make sense of the rest of them. How did he get there? How did the Doctor not notice is quite a funny one. He's wearing soft slippers (laughs) as opposed to hard slippers because apparently that's the thing. It's not. I'm sorry. What was your next standout moment? Well, jumping forward, I would just like to commend this episode. Good job, Mr. Age of Steel, or Mrs. I'm not making any assumptions here. Women can be episodes too. Um, And I'd just like to commend it on having an actually good resolution. I feel like a weakness Doctor Who can have a lot of the time is just rushed or lazy resolutions to episodes and i think this one is a lot stronger than a lot of the others when you've got the doctor just sending mickey little sly signals i mean sly enough they're not completely sly; they're pretty obvious but they have to be pretty obvious because mickey's an idiot but i really like the resolution that's what i'm trying to say this is really interesting because i've been as i've probably said several times now and you'll all be thinking wow she reads books slowly but it's just because I've got a very stressful life I've been reading The Writer's Tale and Russell T Davis has made at least two references in passing to how that resolution never quite worked they never quite got it to pay off as you I've really liked this resolution previously but now I've read his own self-critical opinion of it I can't help but see how it maybe is a bit static and unrealistic that the Cybermen would let the Doctor talk for so long, basically tell Mickey how to defeat them without trying to interrupt him at any point. But I like it for the sake of Mickey's story arc. I know you won't in the same way that I do, but it's the moment when that nickname, Mickey the Idiot, which came out of a place of kind of playful angst towards the low level of intelligence that Mickey has had previously and displayed previously, that nickname finally becomes so relevant to him. He realises, oh yes, that's what the Doctor calls me. I must be the one who he's relying on to save the day. I think that maybe where I would criticise it is that it's so, this resolution is so technology-based and it's such... A sort of typical thing of Mickey can hit a few buttons and that can make all the Cybermen have their emotions back but I still really like it and I think that it doesn't have to be as strong because the threat, the danger doesn't end when the Cybermen start blowing up 
because Lumix's still there. There's fire. There's a Zeppelin. And Mickey shouting, I'm not leaving without them and all of that to come. So that's my thoughts. Yes, I think the only last thing to talk about is Mickey's goodbye. Although it's not actually his goodbye. He's in four more episodes after this one, if you count the end of time. But I think... This is nothing against me having a problem with Mickey. I think they draw it out a bit too long. There's too many scenes of there's Pete and Rose and there's Mickey and Rose and Mickey and the Doctor and Mickey and Jake and the Doctor and Rose. I think that bit did go on for too long and I was kind of just sitting there and making notes and I looked up and I'm like, wait, is this episode still going on? Like, what is there left to do? See, I think that your argument gains its validity from the fact that I always notice how Murray Gold has to loop bits of the music. Like, they play, I think it's Rose's theme, as yeah, as Pete Mickey and... saying goodbye to Rose, or, yeah, yeah, as Pete and Rose say goodbye to each other. And then it has to loop midway through the conversation with Mickey and Rose. And then it kind of just carries on and on. And so I think that kind of gives it away because they're using like a two minute, three minute track, but over and over again. And if you're an avid fan of Murray Gold's music, then you do notice it. I still think that his farewell is good. I think that if you're going to feel strongly about Mickey at any time in a positive and arguably emotional way, it's now because without the hindsight of doomsday army of the ghosts it seems like they're being separated forever and it's made such a big deal of in doomsday when the doctor and rose are separated forever but these are two friends ex-partners who have grown up together and he's leaving and without any way of being able to reunite so we think and i think that his performances playing it kind of vulnerable and sad but also strong and don't miss your flight all those kind of or tough guy elements it kind of summarizes his balance of being an emotional and vulnerable character and and being the tougher guy who have you as you have criticized in the past puts on a more arrogant front and so i thought it was a really good performance on noel clark's behalf and just his development in, in this episode from going from that moment of, of saying to Jake I'm offering to help and just all of it and the fact that he won't let Jake take this take the zeppelin away he won't abandon those people who have abandoned him many times it shows his worth and he really comes into his own and so I think that this is the best Mickey Smith episode to date. Completely eating up character analysis words that I would have used, but I think that this ending is an ending for Mickey. It's not for Rose and the Doctor. It's kind of the end of his story arc, if you like. When we see him after this, he's pretty much on the same confident, funny level that we get until the end of time. (laughs) how how poetic but just going back I wanted to ask you what do you make of the ladder bit it's fine it is what it is it's just 
nothing special i don't think i think there's it's a scene that's been done in quite a few things quite identically of climbing up a ladder into a helicopter and someone grabbing your foot or chasing you or whatever that's interesting i really like it i think i prefer it actually to the scene with lumic just because it almost compensates in action for the staticness of that scene i see the resolution as being him john lumic falling to his death and i love how the cyberman theme comes back as he goes no and it kind of goes silent you get the breakaway of the ladder he falls to his death and that visual again it all comes back to the visuals of the flames it just didn't really look that good though of the flames underneath him i kind of get what you say but i like how they consume him and it shows that his reign of terror what he thought he was doing well i don't know if he thought if he was doing it for the best but his attempt to conquer the world is failing and he literally falls from that position of power and i like how it's so silent and you sort of get the buzz of the zeppelin as they all hold on to the ladder i would say obviously it's a bit unrealistic as any film that uses ladders in that way or tv program that uses ladders in that way is you know we'd all fall let's be honest but i really like just the look of that scene and sort of its symbolism Every week we go through the characters in a order that you will find out if you keep listening and just talk about what we like, what we don't like and everything in between. But not everything because that would take too long. We don't have that much long. Okay. The first character we're talking about every week is Doctor Who. That's his name. If you disagree, please tell Andrea because she's making me say that. I think this is a good episode for him. Um, He doesn't have loads to do apart from his scenes with Mrs. Moore, which I think work very well of him asking questions. And at the end, he's like, her real name is whatever her real name is. Go and find her, Mrs. Price, and um, tell her husband and blah, blah, blah. I think that works well. But apart from that, not much to say about my boy, David. Yeah, it's a strong performance again. I don't think you get a weak performance from David Tennant. He's a high calibre of actor i like how we see how proud the doctor is of his emotions even the negative ones such as grief when he's talking to john lumick and as you say his interactions with all the characters in this are strong but mrs moore and his intimate moment in the i don't know tunnel chamber thingy is a highlight for me for his character and yeah not much else to report but I think that's kind of because he takes a back seat to what we see happening with Rose and Mickey especially at the end he kind of goes off slaps Mickey playfully with a nice Mickey the idiot and and swans off and lets Rose and Mickey take the centre stage for that emotional farewell so he's not really at the forefront of this episode in a weird way. Yeah uh, speaking of the devil the next character we're going to talk about is mr finch wait no so rose rose i'm gonna keep doing that joke for at least a couple more weeks uh yeah it's good there's not much to say apart from what we've already said about her and mickey there's weird moments like the kiss but apart from that i think she works well with pete but it's not amazing it's not super interesting and i think there's a bit of a um 
lack of reaction to Cyber Jackie, but that's all I've got to say about Rose. That's a good point. I think that they could have really dwelled over the fact that Cyber Jackie was killed, but on the character of, of Rose, I think that you don't really notice her as much because the episode for a long time is divided between these three groups. So she's not much like the doctor for some of it. She's not at the forefront of what we see. And again, I think it's kind of a Mickey revolving episode in moments that are about characters rather than action-y cybermeny scenes when it's about anyone and everyone and ah death but a strong performance for Rose I think that the chemistry between Billy Piper and Sean Dingwall is really good oh I'm Sean Dingwall what the bloody hell going on here I'm just gonna have to fit this in somewhere in the episode because I don't have many episodes with Sean Dingwall left to talk about what's going on you didn't tell me you were coming back, Sean. How are you? I'm good. Um, I'm in a parallel universe, but it's collapsing or whatever. And uh, I'm going to have to go back home because my jacket needs me. Thank you. L- ladies and gentlemen, Sean Dingwall. Round of applause. Yeah, anyway, the next character I want to talk about is Mickey. It's a good episode for him, probably his best, but it's still not great. You know what I think of that boy. I have thoughts, but it, it's it's good. Uh, we've talked about his farewell to death at this point, so I don't have anything to add to that. Yeah, I'm not going to bore everyone. For once, I'm not going to bore everyone, at least, with just regurgitating what I've already said. But the fact that he become so independent in this episode really allows all the things that we've seen in previous episodes like Boomtown and his anger and that Rose and the fact that he's left behind World War 3 again where he declines do- the Doctor's invite to travel and in with World him. War 3 he gets Jackie to answer the door at 3 in the morning when it's so obviously a Slovene on the other side and he's just so rude to her and disrespectful my gosh Mickey I, I didn't really think that was a standout of his character arc but okay and then obviously gradually in series 2 becoming more of that companion and then becoming more the hero from school reunion to this point i think that this is where missing we out the episode, missing out two episodes ago where he didn't do anything i think this is where all his previous appearances and his different kind of versions of mickey really pay off because the arc is complete the only arc i care about is the arc of wood I'm going to hit Mickey over the head with okay um, I don't have much to say about Mr. Lumic or any other character really I just want to give a shout out to a cool cyber controller design and also Mr. Lumic isn't that great a villain he's kind of just there isn't he I love how the cyber controller still kind of has a wheelchair thing but yeah I'm as I've said, I love looking at Cybermen, and so I appreciate that controller design. Yeah, fair enough. Mm. 
every week. Andrea tells us how she would improve the episode if she was in charge. And unfortunately, she is not yet in charge. We are still working on a uh, coup d'etat. Um, we'll get it done shortly. It should only last two days. So we'll have our two day coup d'etat done any day now. But take it away, Andrea, of your improvements. <laughs> Thank you, Dean. The doctor's solution to the cliffhanger that we see before is rather underwhelming considering the severity and intensity that we see at the end of Rise of the Cybermen. A spectator is unlikely to recognise the beacon thing from the TARDIS when it shoots out that lighty kind of regeneration coloured thingy. And so maybe they should have had some shots of the Doctor tucking it in his pocket or something in Rise of the Cybermen because we don't even know that it's on his person. I mean, you can assume that, but we've got no physical evidence of that and maybe that would help the solution seem a little less rushed and convenient mid chase mickey and ricky pause and have a chat about you know just i guess you're right you're not that bad then where do we go and whilst i love the interactions between these characters it's kind of unrealistic that in the heat of the chase they pause maybe ricky wouldn't have died if they hadn't paused then so i think that maybe this interaction should have happened in some form before they split up maybe before mickey and ricky and whatever run off and then chat for no reason so yeah i'd have that a little bit earlier maybe mr crane's betrayal is arguably unnecessary we haven't really talked about this but in rise of the cybermen he he willingly converts the homeless people and doesn't show any feelings of remorse at all so it's kind of inconsistent with him then turning on lumic and to be honest i think lumic could have been forced by the Cybermen to upgrade anyway. I think they, they kind of just need that. He, he's just kind of doing that to save himself, though. More than anything. Yeah, I just think it because you've read it that way and I've read it this way, it's kind of left so open that we don't really understand what sort of character he is. And so I still don't really think it's necessary. I think maybe it would have been more effective if they see that his earpods have been removed or whatever and then a cyberman just kills him and shows that john lumick really doesn't care but anyway shots of battersea and the attach to zeppelin could be improved with modern cgi i actually think that when the doctor sonics it and you see the red dots of where the signal's coming from the transmitter stuff i think it actually looks a bit pixelated on the close-ups the wide cyber factory shots also could be improved although i'm not too bothered i'm just being picky because dean makes me the cybermen allow the doctor as i've said to jabber on for ages during what would otherwise be a very good john lumick doctor scene maybe just clip it a bit russell d davis admits that it doesn't quite work but as i said it doesn't matter as much because it doesn't remove the threat of lumick so it's not really over at that point and we kind of spoke about how the ending kind of goes on forever, but I spoke particularly about the music. And what bugs me beyond the loops that we hear of Rose's theme, which is a beautiful piece of music, but the looping's a bit annoying. The last held note of the score lasts for so long that it becomes quite distracting. Whilst Mickey and Jake are sat in that van, there's just this one... And it's the last note of the score, and they're obviously trying to extend it until they drive off. And it's 
just really annoying. It wavers slightly. I just, it really bugs me. I don't know if you noticed it. Um, no, not really. Oh, well, maybe someone out there has that pet peeve along with me. But that is the end of improvements for today. Thanks. I've actually got one improvement of my own before Ooh, you go scurrying off. And I think um, it's the moment where they, the Mickey and Jake release everyone from the cyber control. And then you get shots of them all screaming and running about. And there's just one bit where they're all on a bridge, just pushing past a bunch of Cybermen. And the Cybermen are just standing there, kind of just shaking their bodies a bit as everyone run past, just not doing anything. Like not even grabbing and electrocuting a couple of them, just letting them run past. It kind of just, it kind of looks a bit funny, to be honest, of them just being so weird about it. It does look funny. I think I laugh out loud during that scene, admittedly. So... Yeah, I think one or two electrocutions would have benefited the Cybermen ultimately and how threatening they seem. One or two ex. <laughs> Thanks for that. You're welcome. Every week we give this episode a little rating and it's a little rating because most of the time is spent explaining the rating system, which I'm about to do now. We rate it on a scale of 1 to 13, 1 being the worst and 13 being the best because there are 13 Doctors, but we are no way implying that the first Doctor's the worst or the 13th Doctor's the best or vice versa or any comment on said Doctor's quality. There is also one decimal place that you are permitted to award it, and that is an 8.5, a.k.a. a war doctor, who was played by John Hurt in the Doctor episode, The Day of the Doctor. Anyway, Andrew, what did you rate this episode? Please walk us through your rating on a scale of 1 to 13. I will walk you right through. I gave it a 10 out of 13, which is the same that I gave to Rise of the Cybermen. I think as a whole story... They're on an equal level. But if we're going to go with the points deducting thing that I've kind of forced myself into having to do every week, this episode ends the previous episode's cliffhanger in an underwhelming way. So that's one. Two is the Cybermen let the Doctor talk and talk and talk, which makes the scene a bit static. And three is the last note of the bloody score is annoying and drags on for eternity. So if I had to deduct points, that might be what, I deduct for but to be honest I just think it's pretty equal to its predecessor huh, fair, fair enough funnily enough I gave this episode also a 10 and instead of a more logical approach I just decided that this episode in my mind deserves one more point than the rise of the Cybermen because I quite like a lot of the Cybermen stuff so funnily enough these past four weeks we've had four very good episodes looking at our ratings but don't worry dear listener next week this is all going to change when we talk about the idiot's lantern and that's what i call whoever was in charge of making this episode an idiot okay there's a bit harsh it's not it's not that bad but we'll talk about it next week we're not getting into it now i'd just like to thank you all for listening and i'd like to invite you to join us next week when we talk about that you can follow us on Instagram at chattywattypod. You can email us at chattywattypod at gmail.com. So give us your thoughts. Tell us if you don't like The Idiot's Lantern or The Age of Steel or basically any episode we have covered thus far. 
not that we have covered Idiot's Lantern thus far. That's next week. As Dean said, I'm rambling. You can also follow us on Anchor FM at Chatty Watty. Thank you for listening, for putting up with us, and hope you join us next week. Yeah, thank you. Bye.